listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Stomping Jen. Everything's so loud. Is it loud? I don't know. How you doing today? I'm great. How are yeah. you? I'm doing great. We have a really interesting guest on. I'm looking forward to talking to. Yeah. It's Paul Richmond, who is a spoken word artist and the owner and operator of Human Error Publishing. Hmm. And Paul uh, published our good friend uh, Joshua Stewart's book, um, a, a chapbook. Um, oh, cool. One of his poetry chapbooks. Very cool. Um, so I'm excited to talk to Paul um, all about that. Um, Paul himself has published uh, more than six books um, and performs his work with um, a band called Do It Now. Do It Now. Yep. And uh, he was named uh, National Beat Poet Laureate for the United States uh, in 2019 to 2020. And um, also for the state of Massachusetts for 2017 to 2019. Wow. Yeah. So I have lots of questions about all of that stuff. Mm. So I'm excited to talk to Paul. Are you? Yes. Are you of ready? I'm ready? All right. Let's go. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen. That's my name. We're here to talk about poetry oh, and poetry. spoken word performing arts again. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's say hi to Paul. I'm going to unmute Paul and say, hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going? You two glad to glad to be on the show with you. Great, thanks for um, thanks for being here. How are you doing? We're recording this somewhere around the beginning of summer. Um, so, how are things going for you? Well, uh, the garden really helps. You know, what I mean, putting it in the garden, mm-hmm. uh, hanging out there because otherwise you're dealing with the news, and uh, you know, it looks like we have. A pretty big wars coming on the virus numbers back up just i mean you could run down a list that could just make you go really dr oz got elected i mean there's just some bizarre stuff out there <laughs> I, try to go, I try to go out to the garden I try to go out to the garden yeah um what kind of gardening do you like to do are you a vegetable perennial anything sort of uh, gardener? I, like, I, I definitely have a whole variety of fruit trees uh, but mostly vegetables uh we eat a lot of uh, out of our gar- uh, garden um I was going to say garlic because we plant a lot of garlic, but we we put, we eat a lot of uh, out of our uh, garden. So nice. uh, that's always, uh, and you know, that kind of puts us in touch with, uh, you know, you can go out there to try to be, I think with all kinds of activities, you know, get away from the madness and then you deal with, oh, the climate's changed, uh, what we can grow and what we used to grow and are we getting enough rain, all that stuff, you know, I mean, it was always, farmers always had a problem with, do you think you're going to have a crop, but this seems more these days. Mm. Yeah, as a as a gardener, somebody who 
likes to do that. Do you notice the effects of climate change? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, well, we used to do our maple syrup. I mean, there's talk that, you know, it'll be so warm that you won't have maple syrup here in Vermont's definitely worried about that because it's a much more of a cash crop for Vermont. I was uh, many, a couple of years ago, good five or six, there was a a seminar in North Carolina that I, uh, a friend of mine had put together and it was about uh, the farmers getting together, even though they couldn't legally talk about climate change in North Carolina, uh, that they thought they should start growing what they grew in Georgia because they Mm. were seeing uh, we're not growing what we're growing. And we, we, you know, it looks like pecans are moving up here. So we better start growing them, you know? Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, geez. Well, I wanted, you're here to talk to us about spoken word art and poetry and publishing and all, all that sort of um, stuff. So, um, I wanted to ask you, um, as a spoken word artist, what does that term mean to you? And when people hear that, what should, what should they think? Well, um, you, you guys might, you know, when you said, somebody said, are you going to, what are you going to be when you grow up? Um, I don't remember my guidance counselor telling me that I could be a juggler or a spoken word artist or poet. It wasn't like in the list of things. Um, I, my history with most people hate poetry. So I call all my events word events. Though when you Google spoken word, you get religious groups, you know, the spoken word. And then there's, um, and I'm not a slam artist. Um, uh, there's some things I like about slam, a lot of things I, I, I don't necessarily like in terms of that. I don't think it's a competition. I think we're trying to each bring out in each person and have each person kind of shine. I mean, when I've been at really good readings, it's just one person after another and nobody's really going, oh, there, the, you know, I mean, the society gets into who's the best mm. and all of that kind of stuff, you know, it's so uh, I sort of feel, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying it's so subjective. How can you decide who's the best? That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it's like any kind of, I mean, you mentioned award. I mean, it's like when you get an award, who's deciding, you know, did I send mm-hmm. in a matchbook cover and I paid $30 and now I'm putting on my, um, resume that I was, you know, the king spoken word artist of Hambunka or something, you know, I mean, who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, um, I, I, it's kind of, I don't know if there is a genre for like all the things I listed before, you know, we're all thinking about it, the war, there's the climate change, the viruses, uh, my relationships, people, and how, is there an art form that, when you're trying to express that, if you're not using instruments and music to mood to take you through, you're not throwing paint on a canvas to give you a sense of it being dark or light or whatever the mood is you're trying to create on the canvas, you're using words. So I think there is an artistry to it that you're, if you practice it or, I mean, you guys must see that from listening maybe to your first podcast to mm-hmm. then 20 mm-hmm. podcasts later and you go, wow, okay, oh, what yeah. was I thinking? Just so many. And um, I think that in itself has been a little lost, the idea that you work on a craft and that there's things to learn about the craft. And I saw from on your website that you were trying to maybe help other people who were suddenly thinking about podcasts. You know, it's because you, if you start to do something over time, you know, like I, I said to somebody, I said, oh, your stage presence. And I said, I, I've hit a thousand stages easily. Yeah. So I, you know, so everything that's possibly could have gone wrong on a stage has happened. And so now the nervousness about that happening, it's like, I'll deal with it or the crowd will do, we'll deal with it. Uh, and so it changes your presence when you go up to the stage because 
people feel that you're not nervous. You're not saying to them, you may not like this. I mean, why go up? I'm going up with sort of a confidence, not a cockiness, but I've been on a stage, so I know what I know how to fix the microphone. Yeah, there's. <laughs> you know, some, I mean, <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody more famous and smarter than I said something about ten thousand hours. Right, you've got to put right, in yeah. ten thousand hours before you even become competent at something. Like, and you know, so I, I would imagine you know with all of that experience you have. It, it looks, it, you know, it looks easy to somebody maybe sitting out there, but you know, again, they're not seeing the times you went up there and bombed, like like you said, right. and you know, it didn't right. work out, and you learn from that, and you you pull from you pull from those failures too, as well as the the wonderful successes. Um, One thing I want to state about that because I was in education, it's a little concerning presently because what we're talking about is experiential learning, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's you trusting that you will do something. And then look at it and go, oh, okay, I could do that differently, or I like this part, or I like that part. And you're not going asking somebody, supposedly the professionals. It's not that you shouldn't get, you know, um, feedback from other people who've done it, but as if there's someone who has the answers about how it should be done. Um, where there's lots of ways of doing it. There's lots of ways of making it your own. Um, and so having that confidence, I guess, to do that or feel good about it is I'm hoping more artists will feel that we're in a society that's not really giving people opportunities to have a, a trust their experiential learning. Yeah. And we're talk we're talking about um these performances and spoken word art. So I wanna now would be a good time. I think I just want to give people kind of a flavor of what of what we're talking about. So um Paul, I picked one of your more recent um, videos on YouTube, and I just want to tell people um, this video is available on Paul's YouTube channel. I'm going to put all of the links to Paul's uh, web presences in the show notes for the podcast. So go find them. Um, you know, watch watch as many videos um, as you'd like. Get a get a flavor. There's lots of different types of. Uh, performances on there too so and we'll talk a little bit more about that Um, but this one i picked was called um is called killer where are you going with that gun in your hand um so okay i'm gonna play this it's about uh two minutes and 31 seconds right so um we're gonna play it and then we'll chat a little bit about it sounds good everyone ready okay yep here we go Hey, killer, where are you doing with that gun in your hand? Hey, killer, where are you going with that gun in your hand? I'm going down to shoot him down. I'm a fully automatic weapon. I'm going to shoot him down. I'm a fully automatic weapon. Hey, killer, where are you going with that weapon in your hand? I'm going into the schools because I'm going to shoot them down. I'm going into the movie theaters because I'm going to shoot them down. I'm going into crowded malls to shoot them down. I'm going into places of worship to shoot them down. I'm going to drive around town and shoot them down. Why, killer? Why, why, why? Why are you shooting them down? 
No one's gonna laugh at me no more. No one's gonna push me around no more. No one's gonna put me down no more. They're gonna get theirs. I'm gonna shoot them down. It's my constitutional rights as a law-abiding citizen. You know you can't stop bad people from doing bad things, they say. I mean, common sense, gun control. No, we're told it doesn't work. We're told it's not effective. Let's have some more thoughts and prayers while we obscure and confuse the issues and take no action. Hey, killer, put that weapon down. Hey, killer, why are you talking to me? Let me be on my way. No, killer, I can't stand by and let you be on your way. I want you to put your weapon down. I want you to stop. Stop listening to those voices of hate. Hey, killer, put that weapon down. Stop shooting everybody down. Hey, killer, stop shooting everybody down. Ooh. That's intense. Yeah, hopefully you can hear Tony. I mean, it's a harder with us in terms of the recording, but yeah, that, I just did that one live. I don't know if you guys know this song, Hey Jude. Mm-hmm. Hey, not Hey Jude. Sorry, Hey Joe. Is that Jimi Hendrix? Yeah. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix did it, but a whole bunch of people did that song. And it was a weird song, and it was kind of put out there. And it was kind of strange because the original song or that one that they did was about this guy confronting a guy who said that his uh, uh, wife or girlfriend was seen with another guy and he got a gun and he was going to go shoot her because she was now with another guy. And then he was going to go to Mexico because he didn't want to get caught, but that somehow glorified that whole, it, it was like a weird, what do you mean? Just because, I mean, you sleep with other people, I mean, the whole women's thing, women's rights, women's, the abuse, the being property, guys saying no i can shoot them or you know i'm, I'm going to use that violence because they're not doing what i want them to do i was the shootings had just happened recently and all of a sudden that song came on and i yeah. just thought oh well okay i want to do the first i was trying to figure out how to change that song and then i realized no i just need to do it and wait the guy's a killer uh i was going to have some other name or something else but then i thought no the person's a killer i mean so let's call it what it is um, and so I threw that together. And then what you have there is with, I had an open, I do a lot of pop-up readings and other kinds of things. And I work with musicians. And so that's Tony Baca and him and I will just try things. And so that was the first time of, I had written up some of that stuff. He didn't even know what I was going to say. He was playing and we just kind of run with it. And that's kind of why we call it do it now because it's, you know, we're, we're doing it then and now, or whatever it is. <laughs> but that was, but that was, as it goes back to what we were expressing, I mean, I think as artists, we get affected by what's happening. We're trying to learn from what happened in the past. And you're feeling, I'm feeling driven to say something. Yeah. And yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to say it in some way that I hope will affect people that doesn't necessarily just come out as a rant. Um, I'm, I know people want humor. This one didn't quite, I didn't quite figure out i mean there's some things it's hard to twist to bring humor into it um and so but that's you know kind of what we're but thanks for playing that and um yeah it's i mean it's weird it's like every day now we're getting oh there's, yeah we're shooting yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, there was one today. There was one yesterday. I know. I mean, it's it's like an we're, we're numb to it. It's an epidemic of violence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it it's interesting to me um, that kind of the scenario in my mind as I listen to it, and I'm only giving my impression of it, is that um, you know you, you're you're trying to have this dialogue with this person, and um, I don't know, you know, in my mind, like it. it that's probably not going to work, but what else is there to do now, right? And it, and it's like this, what what else can we do but try to use words because nothing else is working? And it's this, it's a strange, it's this like, it's this strange juxtaposition of ideas, you know, this cognitive dissonance. But it's like I think like we all feel like what else can be done. <laughs> Oh. Right, like you want to stop, you want to <laughs> like you want to you want a chance to like talk to somebody who might be in that place. I, so right. it's like really powerful to me on that level, like just imagining this this scenario. Um, and you you mentioned Tony who is playing too. Like there's something something he is doing. I don't know what he is processing and what he's responding to that adds something to it. Um, oh yeah, no. I, I'm very lucky to be connected with some of the really uh, best musicians in the valley. Uh, not to, I mean, on their own, they were nice enough when I've asked them. If you check out any of them, when you go to my web, uh, the YouTube's, and see mm-hmm. the other players and do it now. If you were to look up each of them, you see they have whole careers and a whole bunch of stuff. And they kind of they they're kind of moved into wanting their instruments to express emotions express feelings um so uh, and and they've done all the old you know rock and roll jazz you know they, they you know they've run the gamut they like a lot of those things and then there's and they were kind of interested in this project so they hear me and they go with what i'm bringing up sometimes when we've done shows they would kind of say is this more of a sad one is you want more seriousness and and sometimes i say no i don't know because we've done some pieces two or three times. And it's very interesting the change when the music is different and it, they all work and you realize, Oh yeah, that emotion could be in many ways come out in terms of, it could make you happy. This, this piece could have with different music might've had more uplifting that, Oh, it worked. I talked to this person and they, they, they changed or, or they stopped or they felt heard. I don't know. Um, you know, but as you said, Jen, it's, it's kind of like how to move from if we're being numbed, that you run out of ideas of how do I get out of that numbness and what is that an action, you know, yeah. without just screaming because you're so pissed off uh, and you want to just yell at people saying they're stupid for doing whatever, call them names and that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Paul, does knowing or suspecting you might perform a piece with uh, Do It Now or or some other musicians or subset of those folks, does that influence how you write the piece or conceive the piece? Or do you do that kind of, is that a separate process? Uh, it's and- a separate thing. I ha- I mean, cause those I'm always writing. Um, and, and the reason they are into it is because they know I'm just going to call them when I have something. And sometimes they've been getting excited because we got, like, I think we only did two or three do it now performances and um, serious play sauce or an organization production company in Northampton. And they took us to the Edinburgh festival. They thought suddenly. Mm-hmm. And, and so they said, I don't know who's doing this or what's going on. So it was kind of interesting in terms of that, but um, so it's kind of, just kind of there. So they were just my pieces. They were things that I got affected by. I wrote, but it does change. I mean, just, this is an example, even without the band, 
when I had one of my first books, I had a proof. I went to the Austin International Poetry Festival, and 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 it's I went there particularly because you could hit a lot of stages in a very short period of time, and I think I must have hit like fourteen mics. And so I had the pro the new book, and I was trying the pieces, and I was trying a lot of the same ones. And seeing the different audience reactions, wow, they really laughed there. Well, how did I say that line differently that brought the laugh there? Or, or, or this brought people to really feel the piece in the end, or I ended it differently that brought this or that. So I was always working that. And sometimes I'd look at the piece and I'd realize from doing it on the stage, I didn't want to read what I wrote. It didn't work. There's a written page aspect that if you're reading it, it works. But when I'm trying to run it, like I'm running now, when I get to that line, it's like, I'm not saying it that way. I got to say it a different way. Mm. So do you have to, do you have to improvise in that moment? Yeah, I'm improvising then knowing and seeing my thought I'm improvising on my own. So I just want to say that I have that with myself. And then when I brought these musicians in, there was kind of um, sometimes they're just running and I'm running and it naturally ends. And I'm like, wait, I have two more verses. <laughs> um, and I would, and, and so in the beginning it was okay. We, Cause we were live. I didn't go, wait a minute, guys. I, I just stopped. And when I got off the stage and talking to some people, people got what the last two verses were that I didn't do. And so I thought, Oh, that's interesting. So the, the mood and the intent and the music got it. So it was like trust that I started trusting more, whatever's going to happen. I've got the piece in front of me, the band's doing what it's doing. When they see, it's almost like they consider me another instrument. And if they see I'm coming in for another solo, then they let me do my solo and they back me. And then they either come back together and we all go out together or, we, you know, whatever it might be. And so, you know, I realize it's uh, finding those musicians and having that work. And if you looked at some of those videos, those are all one-offs and they look like we really rehearsed them all. Yeah. And so that's a great thing, a great statement to all the people involved and all the talent that's involved. And so. Yeah. I mean, it feels like um, jazz in a sense to me, right? It's, it's, it's risky. You're not really sure where it might go. Um, it's not always rehearsed and you're just putting it out there and see what happens. And there's a great one. I have a pay-per-view channel. Um, it's, you can, there's links from my website and I was lucky enough to work with Avery Sharp, who is a bass player in the Valley. And he uh, came up and we kind of, and I never met him. He never met me. He didn't know what I was going to do he knew Tony. And so, and we were in this theater going to film. So that show that's 30 minutes is what you see after we kind of did one. And he was like, Oh, okay. He's done tons of stuff. And we just ran. Hmm. And when I watched that show and, and that those pieces, one of those pieces actually just won uh, the Miller, the flashcards just won the Miller audio um, thing last month. So that was kind of interesting. That's awesome. I'm going to give you one of these. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Now if the check just comes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting question. I mean, do you, I mean, I, so I'll just say as way of example, um, we don't do, we don't do this for money, right? Like, and 
Can Why you, not? Why not? Didn't your parents talk to you about <laughs> what you should be doing? They, Where's the tip jar? Where's the tip jar? Come on. They, they, they did, but I have a re- something. Kofi, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> I have a rebellious streak. I didn't listen. Um, do you, you're I mean, returning bottles then, basically. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, we do have a donation button on our website. We I will have, just say that. Yeah. So we I do mean, have a tip jar of sorts. It's a digital okay. tip jar. Yeah. But um, okay, good, good. we don't ever, you know, we don't, we don't really. You know, we're not. We're not. We're we not sponsored. We don't sell advertising space. We we didn't. The labor of love. Yeah, is what I think we, you're trying to you say. Know, but it gives you more freedom too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we want. We wanted to. Sh- you know, we wanted to showcase the types of people you know we were interested in. And so I guess what I'm saying is like, what drives you here? What 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 um. What's be what you. what motivates you? What's behind your desire to to create and get out there and perform? Um. Sandwiches, <laughs> free food that always gets everybody. <laughs> sandwiches, as long as there's yeah. sandwiches, we can handle it. Um, well, I mean, I so just a little bit of a history. Yeah. I mean, I, I because in terms of money and how which directions I went and how I went to try to get sandwiches, um, I taught for about seven years and then I became a professional juggler, which was a, I mean, first I actually worked at a worker run warehouse. And I practiced in the warehouse and then I became, I juggled for my own um, mental stuff because what it did with right hand, left hand, it changed my brain. You know, it's a whole podcast in itself. Um, But in that, doing that juggling at one point, I made the step of, okay, I'm going to do this, uh, you know, get jobs, which changed it from, you know, what I was doing to, you know, oh, they want me to do this thing at a, you know, VFW. They want me to do this thing at a big fair. They want me to do this thing at a corporate event. All those things are kind of any art form. Where are you selling the art form? And when do you feel like you've sold yourself? And how much of a prostitute are you being? And we're all prostitutes. And okay, well, I, as long as I don't have to wear certain, you know, costumes and there's lubrication, I'm okay. Or, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. I don't know, you know. And so there's that whole aspect. Um, and but that actually helped me with my writing that I realized writers didn't have uh, from that history because people are writers are come to writing and they're in a room and they're kind of by themselves. And, and like maybe with yourselves, you have other jobs. And so those other jobs are taking care of the sandwiches and right. you're kind of doing your thing. But to promote it, you're kind of almost waiting. I mean, the artist mythology in the past was that you were writing and suddenly someone knocks on your door and goes, Oh, we love your writing and we're going to publish your books and you're going to be famous. And Oh my God. And so somehow that mythology is out there. And so people don't do much to promote themselves or a lot of people do realize to promote themselves, but a lot of people don't. I've been, when I've been to festivals, they like, I went to those, like that was being a juggler. I was used to, I was on computers early Googling, you know, Googling event, you know, who has craft fairs in New England? Mm-hmm. Who does da da da? Where, where I could be performing? Who has small theaters? So when I decided I was going to go full time with my writing, I start just saying, well, where are there word festivals? Are there poetry festivals? Are there what's going on? And then I wanted to take myself to those places because I thought, okay, my friends are being real nice. You know, I read at these events and they tell me they like it, but what about nobody knows me? Is anybody going to give me the time of day? Right. And so that's why I started going to Austin and I went to places all over the country. And when I went, you know, uh, to Europe and, and it just was on stages to go, 
okay, people are coming up to me asking me if I have a book. Okay. So that prompted me to publish because, and then prompted me like, oh, nobody's, everyone's rejecting me and I'm getting the same story from all these other people I'm seeing coming off the stage who people are asking for books. They've been rejected. So this kind of leads into why I started Human Era Publishing is because I just thought I'm doing this. I'm not going to wait around for someone to uh, publish me because I'm going to go to festivals. And if I have a book, people are buying it. So I, that I had that initial, maybe it's because I'm an old dude. I came out of the (laughs) sixties and seventies and it was, we weren't special, but the time had energy and it's different in wording. People were saying to what's happening. And it meant, what are you making happen? Are you looking for something to happen? Are you going somewhere to happen? Me being motivated, I'm going to be a part of it. When you move to whatever, right? then you're right. moving to a thing that you're assuming it's not going to happen. You're going to let me know whatever goes. I guess I'm going to accept whatever comes my way because I'm not making it happen the way I want. And then it's kind of everything is good. And it's like, well, then everything is good. So I'm watching the, the phrases over the years and seeing a change in consciousness. And when I talk to do workshops with younger folks about asking me, oh, I would like to do a festival. How do you do a festival? They're always asking me about all the professionals I consulted. And I'm kind of like, no, no, I, I put up a sign on the first one. I contacted some people and I got 33 people and I realized I hit a nerve. Yeah. If I would have had five people, I would have thought, okay, maybe nobody else wants this. Maybe I'll still do it because I want it. Um, This goes back to another question that you're talking to me about is there aren't venues for what I want to do. So when you think about it, it's bars and let's get drunk and let's do this reggae. It's this. No, we're not going to have, you know, unless you're doing original. No, we want to hear originals. Are you a cover band for the one of the better bands? Blah, blah, blah. So. I was motivated once I found other people to realize I have to create my own venues and in, and I'm going to see if anybody comes and everybody likes it. So I could say, well, there's a success. I've been doing this big festival, four day festival, which I'll announce now is always in October. It's called the great falls word festival. It'll be the sixth through the ninth this year. And it's four days in a theater, usually over 170 writers sign up to be part of the four days um, and there's a crowd and I have a stage to have do it now on and do all kinds of things and people show up. So there's that. Uh, one other one that's happening in October and just sort of related to the thing. I wanted to move words or what you might call into more mainstream. So I worked on this garlic and arts festival, mm-hmm. their friends for many years, talking to them and talking to them about, they have other stages. Can't I have a word stage? Who will go? What is it? Was Finally, that, a, was, that a, was that a hard sell for them? Yeah, I mean, even when I first started to do my first um, festival, I would go to restaurants or I'd go to places that had rooms that I was going to rent the banquet room. Okay, and I'd go in the managers there and I say, "Hey, you know, you have these dates open." Yep. Okay, so what are you going to do? I'm going to have a, you know, at first I was saying poetry festival or writers festival, and they go, "Oh, great. Okay, you can have those two tables over there." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. I don't want the two tables." I want to rent the room for this event. Who's going to come? I said, well, does it matter to you? I'm paying. That's right, what I'm asking I'm you. How much money rent, do you want? Yeah. How much money do you want? Here's the money. Well, let's see if it happens. Okay. So it was always 
I mean, well, think about it. When you say poetry, most people aren't saying I'm going to buy, I'm going to a poetry event. Nobody's saying I'm buying poetry books. Nobody's, you know, and, and, and some of the writers that they might like, they may consider differently or short stories. I mean, I have hope because of, you know, the storytelling that's on the radios now, the five minute stories, this or that, that people want real statements. They're tired of all the kind of fluff or that there's nothing being said. So is part of, I could go on on that, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Is, is part of this conception of poetry as being boring that we don't read it enough in, in, in spaces and, or is it something else, Paul? What, what's going on here? Uh, let's just be clear that leave no child left behind left a lot of kids behind yeah. and destroyed you liking learning and whatever kind of learning and that somehow it got learning only happens in school. And so, and at the, and that the classics and read, you know, this particular poem, Oh no, you didn't interpret it. Right. What, is it, what are you talking about? Mm. I, however, I read pound or anybody else, if I thought it was boring, it should have been okay for me to say this was boring or didn't say anything to me to start trusting. Do I know what something says something to me? And finding those writers, I mean, we all know if anybody reads that you find a book and you go, man, you just zip through that book. Yeah. That was just a great story, whatever they say, you know, and, and other books you go, I don't know, I can't, I mean, that happened with me with On the Road, which is very funny. I got this beat, you know, awards. The first time I picked up On the Road, it was like, I couldn't read it. I, I didn't quite, I didn't get it. It wasn't, wasn't reading. And it was about a year or two later, I picked it up again. And all of a sudden I read it all in one day. And I thought, okay, so what happened Yeah, that my mind changed that I was open to it this time or something, you know? Yeah. And, and I think maybe I, I asked, a, I didn't frame my question right. Is, is it that we don't perform poetry versus even ask people to read it in schools? Like, is it? I, yeah, I, it's not, I, well, it's not part of the regular, I mean. Yeah. You're not. You're not buying. You're not going to Netflix to look for yeah. poets um, necessarily. Yeah, I guess. Do you I mean, think there, more? There do you think more people? <laughs> do, you, do you think more people would be interested in poetry and be more proactive in seeking it out if we had more, more people? Venues. Yeah, more venues, more people like yourself out there reading it and performing it and giving giving uh, some life to the words on the page. You know, like. I've tried to read Shakespeare's plays, and I, God bless them; they're they are masterfully written and crafted. Um, but you know, I fall I fall asleep well, after fifteen minutes. But to see them performed is just something different, completely right? different, right? Well, I was, you know, it's interesting. So, so we met in a poetry group in college. We did. Just a full uh, disclosure. Were you both writers? Yeah, yeah, we both like wrote, but like yep. you know, for me personally, right? Like it's, it was like a thing I, I did in high school and like you know, somewhat in college, and then I don't anymore, right? Like I don't, I don't feel that drive or that I don't have those, whatever those emotions were that I felt like I needed to write yeah. out. And I know that a lot of kids in high school they use it as um, an outlet, right? Like you know, you mm -hmm. can't go to a bar. So what do you do? You go to like a coffee shop, a coffee house and go to an open mic. And so, you know, and there's a right. lot of poetry in the youth, the youths, yep. the youths. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think when, you know, when you're, when you're older, there's not as much, um, I don't wonder if it's like a byproduct of getting older too. 
I'm not well, sure. I mean, it's kind of interesting about whether or not these headings. So to me, that's why I said a spoken word artist. To me, it's really interesting to go to, an, and people say this about my festivals, how diverse they are. Once I said this is about words, you had somebody who came up who did prose. Mm-hmm. You had, I mean, nobody, because you have camps, unfortunately. Oh, you didn't rhyme anything in that poem, so it's not a poem. Oh, you're not using couplets, or you're not, oh, that's just stream of consciousness. Oh, no, no, no. And it's all these, I mean, our society is so much into dissecting and separating out that suddenly you almost need this big umbrella instead to say, okay, we're talking about words. And and uh, and all these people are under this umbrella of words, and you're going to hear a story now. You're going to hear a rant. You're going to hear something that sounds like a song. Um, da, 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 da. And I think what I'm more interested, if I was going to say, um, uh, to take out the numbness and to take out that you can actually make things happen, is what happens when you're affected by someone's telling of their own event. That I was down and out, and I did this, and da, 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 or I was really dumb, and you know, can you believe it? I put that in the, the you know machine, you know, I lost it, and so everybody in the room who's ever done that goes, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. Um, yeah, and somehow that sometimes can be healing or motivating, or you suddenly try, to, and then you see that someone's moved on, and you know, we don't have that much encouragement that way in our society. We're kind of being, it's always being acted like you're the screw up. It's your fault that you're failing, not a system that doesn't have any jobs. There's no welfare. There's no health care. There's no you know, all of that. Um, so I'm I'm more interested in wanting it to come back that people enjoy coming into a room and hearing different people's ways of interpreting what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it might be called a poem. It might be called a story. It might be called something, you know, to give it more free flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm still hung up on what you told us about how people greeted each other in the in, in way this. in the way back when, <laughs> uh, like what's happening versus you know now people, you know like ten fifteen years ago when I was in the workplace that the catchphrase of the day was it is what it is which is which is equivalent to whatever right and and what I love about what's happening in, in it's an activating statement, right? And I think you spoke to that. And I think we need to start, we need to start what's happening again, or like something. Or some version of it. Some I, mean, ver- it's I mean, it is what it is. That's a real interesting one. Because yeah. it's almost like, don't start talking to me about how fuck this workplace is. Right. We can't change it. Okay. So this is what it is. And we don't, let's not complain anymore. Let's keep getting, pump out the widgets, do your part. Um, and yeah. so you're almost put down for wanting to say, I'd like to turn off the machinery, you know, I mean, or, you know, whatever it is that's going on. Hmm. Or yeah. talk about it. Or, you know, the big thing is, I think, realizing that people get discouraged because you could talk about it and there's no present answer at the moment. Mm. And so then you think there isn't an answer. And sometimes it's like, well, there's an answer now, but at least we have clarity that we both see that A and B and one and one is two and two and two is four. And it's not a Rush Limbar. We've got, we're in a culture that went from one and one is two, two and two is four, and four and eight is 75. And that means it's Muslims or it's women or it's the gays. or the, And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did that math, how did you take us there? Yeah. Um, and so it's scary because we're not in dialogues anymore. And it's hard to get anybody to say, okay, one and one is two and two and two is four. And we right. both come to four. 
or, you know, you need the vaccine or you don't need the vaccine or, you know, I mean, it's, it's, that's where yeah. it makes it really hard to say you, everybody wants to go to, it is what it is. Just, you know, can I gotta, I gotta go do other things now, you know? Yeah. Um, well, the critical thinking skills yeah. are and, lacking. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, the, the introduction of the concept of alternative facts, you know, um, with, 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 with the Trump administration, right? This, this idea that there is, that there's a congruent, equally valid truth, like, you know, and, and they try to, they, they try to use that, you know, to deprive people of, of human rights, right? <laughs> like, it's crazy. I wrote this piece because I thought, you know, I was brought up with George Washington, chopped down the cherry tree, and he couldn't lie. I thought, well, okay, so he said he did it, but he did destroy nature. Okay, so he was the first one that started destroying nature, but he couldn't lie about it. Now we have everybody that's, they're willing to lie and say, I don't, there was never a tree there. Okay, then you yeah. point out the evidence that there was a tree there. Oh, right. maybe the wind knocked it down. Oh my yeah. God. Uh, um, and I just ran that uh, because it was kind of like we've moved. And wait a minute, I, I was brought up as a little kid to say, a good leader doesn't lie. Um, so interesting. So I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so Paul, we were going um, before before we before we talked and kind of like some of our correspondences um, prior to um, getting here uh, talking today. We were going back and forth about what pieces I wanted to play. Oh, yeah, um, go ahead. Yep. Um, on the show today, and. You know, I, I was I was I was combing through the list of of videos, and you had some you know longer pieces on there. Some of them, you know, 10, 20 minutes long, some shorter, and I, and I picked some shorter ones that you know, kind of at random that I found. Uh, sorry, I picked some shorter ones that I found interesting, and then we had this um, we had this little exchange about um, you know you had mentioned that people were interested in and asking about shorter pieces of work and you had some thoughts to share about that. So I was just curious what you wanted to, to tell us oh, about uh, that. Well, it, yeah, in terms of listening, I mean, it, it, I wonder about it cause you know, I watched the analytics, you know, I'm putting up a YouTube channel and so the YouTube tells you, you have a two minute video and everyone's cutting out at a minute 16. Okay. So was it a bad piece? Um, people just, they kind of, they feel like they got it. Oh, they liked it. So you get the thumbs up. So, Okay, so the minute and 13 they liked. Um, oh, they liked it enough to comment. Okay, did they share it? I mean, is this what the world is about? I mean, mm -hmm. it's it, I mean, for me, even as a juggler, it's like all artists are in this place of did you get a stamp? Did you get your did someone give you your you know M M MFA? Did someone so now you're real? I mean, when one time when I was juggling, I was trying to get into ski resorts. There was a really big one called Stratton Mountain. And when I when I got scored Scranton Mountain, all of a sudden all the other ski resorts were like, oh, you can you can work for us, you know, before they didn't want to talk to me. So with the writing, it's similar almost. It's I mean, there's I'm trying to be I want to write what I want to write. Some people pieces are short, some people pieces with a band because the band again takes off. The piece is two pages. The band turns it into five minutes. Right. Or the band turns it into eight minutes and it seems to be what it means. In a live performance, it seems fine. People have really shown that they like it. In our world of do I have enough time and I'm scrolling on the phone and maybe I'm in between lunch or I walked out of a meeting 
oh no, I'm not actually watching your movie. I just was scrolling and it started. So one of the uh, media said people watched it when they didn't. Um, I mean, Facebook has that notorious thing where they give you lots of hits so that you buy ads, I guess. And, and so they, because it started where YouTube will sometimes say, no, they had to watch it for 10 seconds before we say that they started watching it. And, um, but it makes me, there's a part of, is, is it, is it because of, I want to be known or my books sell or what we were just talking about? We all both were concerned about the shootings. So did I go too long that people got the message was, uh, because I want the message to be heard. Mm. I want us to all act on the message. Um, not that my, I think I have the right ideas, um, but I, I, I want us to figure out how to stop climate change. I know there's, there's a lot of information. How, yeah. uh, you know, we should be doing, we should have been doing it. Um, we are doing, I mean, there, there are people have been doing it, but we're still losing in the sense of we're not getting, you know, the, the government to respond or the corporations to respond. So, that's kind of connected to your, well, as a performer, when I would get up and I'm juggling a stage and the directors I worked with, you're, if you're really watching the audience, you know, you're doing something, I'm losing them. Okay. I got to do something else. Okay. They're with me. They're no, they're not with me. Okay. That, and, and some people will say to me, Oh, this was an interesting aspect. So I went one time to a, a reading, a woman had all her pieces memorized, three of them bombed. And when I went backstage to see her and I was talking to her a little bit, I said, uh, and she said, yeah, that was really, there was, this was not the right audience to do those. I said, well, why didn't you stop after the first one? And she said, well, this is all I have memorized. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's wrong with reading? Like it's somehow it's taboo to have the book in front of you. And so like what we're talking about, there's these, so many genres of, are you, do you, because sometimes maybe somebody went to a reading where someone was holding a book and it was boring to them. Mm. instead of someone might be very lively reading a book. Oh no, you have to be like, um, you know, the, the slams where you haven't memorized and no, no, it can only be three minutes. And, you know, so you get into all these genres and then we're trying to go back to what did they say? Was it meaningful? Did it move you to action? Did it move you to do something yourself to be creative did it give you more inspiration to keep doing podcasts or did you suddenly go, you know, screw this. We can do something else with this time, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, I like, I think for us, um, I think if we were here in person and sitting down and talking, you know, I, I, I could see us, you know, talking two, three hours probably. Right. Because you have that in person, like live um, energy, then you could feed off each other. And, and also for, for us, like, because we record these kind of later in the evening, once you start getting beyond it, an hour and a half, two hours, you know, you're, you're talking right. about people's bedtimes. <laughs> so like yeah. for us as the, as the, as the creators and, um, and, and, I, I think- and the medium, so the medium in which we do this impacts, um, how we create and deliver, deliver the art out to people. I have right. two thoughts. So, like yeah. the internet or just people's attention yeah. spans for things are so so short, right? Yeah, it's like clips, pictures, like things like that. They grab your attention, you move on, right? So, if you have a recorded thing, you know sometimes people have, and then but you said like they get it and then they move on, right? So like, oh, I liked it, you know, and then it has to like really like 
you know, impact them in order for them to watch the whole thing, right? Like, I do that even with, like, artists I like, like, musicians or whatever. Like, I'll be like, uh-huh. oh, I want to listen to this one song, and I'll listen, and then I'll be like, all right, I've heard this song before. I don't need to listen to this live version that I've heard, like, a couple of times. <laughs> Unless I, like, really am into it, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, but then the other thing that I wanted to say was, like, you were talking about, like, when you're live with an audience and you're course correcting while you're uh, reacting to the audience, you don't have that with the internet. You're just putting right. content out. There's yeah. no back and forth dialogue between the audience. Right. right. And, you and I don't that. know. I mean, I, sometimes I, I joke and I say, yeah, I'm just an old guy. I don't get it. Um, TikTok, watching, you know, okay, so you, this is the new thing. We have a minute. Okay, I'm willing to play that game. I have a minute. I tried a couple of them for a minute because they're all games to me. And so it's like, okay, I'll do a minute. Let's all try a minute and see who we like, Do what minute you do. So then I see some of these and I think, why 7 million <laughs> hits? Right. right. They're not right. doing anything. This isn't happening. Anything's not happening. And um, it kind of reminded me, we got into some stuff with some street folks one time, or when I was out performing in the street, people were saying, you know, oh, you're getting money. I said, well, I'm perform- I'm giving them something. You're just standing here asking for money. Tell jokes. I don't know. Do something. So that if you're asking for money, people will say, okay, you gave me something. Yeah. Um, okay. And okay. so there's this little thing of that. So I don't, right now it's kind of almost discouraging because I'm thinking, wait, the highest number things are people that aren't giving me anything. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that that's what I should, it may, that sounds weird. Cause like, oh, you're not going to give anything unless you get something. No, I, I'm here, but um, this happened actually in the juggling world. There was a, and I'm not sure if it's the attitudes of the world. We we're much of us older jugglers, and this is you know 20 years ago. Were there, and the younger juggler was on stage, and he kept acting like I don't care that you're here. Huh. And at one point, <clears throat> one of the jugglers said, "Well, let's leave." And I said, "What's why?" And she says, "Well, they're really dissing us out here, and they're acting like they keep saying they don't care we're here, so let's leave." And he said, and so we did get up and we walked out and uh, he didn't seem to care. And we got outside and we said, well, what do you think about all that? And one guy said, hey, I, I feel like I'm the old tradition of the minstrels who came through towns and people wanted to hear the news. They wanted to hear things from me. And I was looking for housing and food and I gave them something. Yeah, I'm seeing it as a sacred moment that you're willing to be listening to me. And are you, I got your attention. And so now I'm not going to waste it that I have your attention. I'm going to try to feel like you go, Oh, I'm really glad I interacted with you for this little bit. Or like you said, we start talking and isn't that a great thing that we suddenly look up and go, Oh man, it's 11 o'clock. We've been just hanging out here, just chatting away. That's great fun. You know, Yeah. that's what I'm talking about. And so I would hope to be, I want to be inspired. I mean, I see other artists or something, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I, that was great use, you know, timing, the music, whatever they did. I just don't understand. And so I look for answers because I don't really understand the, some of the influencers or things that they're talking about <laughs> when, and I don't know if you have this experience, but you go, why? Yeah. What? Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're young, you're 18 and you're a woman or this, or I'm not sure what that was, you know? Yeah. The thing that strikes me about a lot of what is popular on social media and is how cruel a lot of it is. It's like cruel. cruel. Yeah. Like a lot of the things that I see um, in videos and like TikToks and are these like incredibly cruel and destructive pranks, like, and like just people, I, 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 I don't know. Like there's a, 
there's a a currency in, in cruelty now, and that that's kind of what I see and the thing I find um, distasteful in some ways. And like I, I was thinking about what stomp stomping Jen, what you were saying before about. Uh, listening like I love cover versions of songs right like my favorite song of all time is probably Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here and I I seek out um, cover versions of that song to see what how people interpret it to see how do they sing that chorus in the middle differently when they go how I wish how I wish you were here like right like and, and like even a slight yeah, barrier. That's Brad. That's something that most people don't want to actually hear. Yeah, I love if we, it. If we keep this, if we keep this to writing and pop, and, and you know, or you know, what yeah. people like. So think about it. The people who like Pink Floyd, yeah, will beat up the other bands who don't sound exactly like them. Yeah, and then there's people who want to go see a band that says, "I'm not going to be, I'm not Led Zeppelin, I'm not going to be Robert Plant, but I'm going to give you my interpretation of that song." Or I'm going to give you my interpretation of, of Pink Floyd. And there's only two of us up here. We're going to create the whole band. Right. And this is what we're doing. And you go, wow, that was, I love that song. And that's a new, inter- you know, I really love that interpretation. I wasn't expecting them to sound like Pink Floyd, um, yeah. which is a different thought pro- is a different way of coming at arts in, in, in some ways, what we're talking about. Yeah. And do you, um, so when you, do you have pieces that you perform, um, repeatedly like in in different spaces we haven't i had well the only time i did yeah. that when i was in edinburgh because those folks got us 12 shows okay and they wanted us to do this particular set and we noticed though the set changed and and there were some similarities we had some time refrains to end in an hour so it was kind of an interesting as a game and exercise of can we get these in and how to do that that somewhat seemed though some audience members came different nights and they said wow that was great because it was totally different each yeah. night even though i loved you still did the piece about this or you still did the piece about that uh, so that was interesting I, I, if i can i just wanted to comment on something about the cruelty i'm glad you said that yeah. so in the history of vaudeville there were the times when all the acts were slapping each other so if you think about this, Punch and Judy, the Three Stooges, the, 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 if you go and see old footage of even acrobats, they're doing these amazing handstands, jumping off, doing things, but then suddenly one guy will slap another guy and knock him to the ground. He'll do something acrobatic with it, and the crowd loves it. And at one point, I thought, you know what? This is a time period when a lot of people were getting slapped. And it was acceptable to slap. It was the honeymooners, you're going to the moon. The guy's going to punch her. And so because that's accepted, you're now laughing and getting off on someone else's getting it, not you. Yeah. And so now, in a way, we're not really dealing with how much trauma there is and how much trauma people have gone through. So it makes sense in a way that you would say, anybody expressing something would be the cruelty that they've maybe experienced. And they're, and they're, this is the only way they're getting it out. And some people put down poetry in high schools because the people who were in those clubs, when you listen to some of the tapes, people said, Oh, so is everyone being sexually abused? Is everyone coming out? Is everyone? It's like, well, these are all the voices that were never heard and they're not on the basketball team. 
and they're not in the junior league and they're not in the honor society. And so now you have a new club that they can be in and they're expressing, yes, their stepfather is a jerk and he's starting to think about raping him. And, and this is fear and this is, you know, the world and as it's going on and no, not every high school girl is going through it, but some version because of the society. So, you know, <clears throat> I, I just, I think the culture and it's tough to try to figure out what to do about that as a performer. Do you go with cruelty because the audience wants it? Or do you try to say something else that's showing the, you know, you understand the cruelty and you're presenting something else as a way out again, like I said, you know? Yeah. Um, and, that I mean, and, and then as an artist, I have to also just, because like, you know, Jen, you said that you have to have the motivation of an emotion that triggers you to want to write it or paint it or, play the song for it so i you know i whatever happens that i have like i just wrote this piece on culture because somebody was i was with a lot of folks of color and they were talking about how their cultures were totally you know uh, destroyed and i suddenly hit me like oh i need to restate and not as comparison or that anything or who's more oppressed but i lost my cultures at the immigration names were changed languages were lost people were not considered polish you're not jewish you're not catholic you're an american you know, all that kind of stuff. What does that mean? Uh, and all that history lost, all that cultural loss, you know? Yeah. How do you see that relationship between <clears throat> the creator and artist and particularly performers and the fans? Like, how do you, do you, well, I mean, I, I, come at it a little, yeah, go, sorry. I, I was just gonna say, I'm assuming, I'm assuming there are, there are people who are fans of your work and come to the festival's to see you and you know interact with you and is that a is that a relationship that you have to navigate in some ways and how how do you approach that uh, i think there's i'm a little um uh, just to be clear and it's not to uh, um say uh, uh, anything in terms of uh, myself i come from a couple of different areas i'm an activist yep i've been an activist for a really long time i fought against the vietnam war I didn't fight. I didn't go to Vietnam. I fought against going. That's a whole story in itself. Um, I helped Vietnam vets who were on the streets, who lost it because of being there, even though I didn't go. So the myth about, quote, hippies spinning on veterans, that wasn't the case in a lot of places. These were our friends or brothers or people coming back that we helped. So that act, and it goes on from there, anti-nuclear, all these things. So there's an activist part to me. There's an artist part to me. And then there's, and so that artist part has many different forms. I used to do collages. I, even when I juggled my, I wasn't doing straight juggling jokes. I was using juggling as a metaphor that I would drop and say, that's the first trick I hope everyone learns is the drop. And most people don't want to learn the second trick, which is picking it up. And so you're stopping at the drop because you think that, see, that shows I'm not a juggler. No, to be a juggler is you have to pick up and keep doing it. And so I had, even with the, so the juggling wasn't, uh, you know, like in terms of those, because there were those in each art form, there's always the people who smash the pie in their face or uh, whatever they're doing in their juggling act because the audience wants to see that. And did people want to hear my stories or my raps around my juggling that I was using? So now that I'm supposedly a writer, and then again, it's, I remember Laurie Anderson saying, talking about this, 
when she first put out her one of her albums, they were like, so we're having a hard time where the album should go in the bin. Are you the you know experimental musician? Are you the storyteller? Are you the... and they list this whole thing and she goes, Well, yeah, I'm all of those. No, 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 no. We we need a we, you gotta go in one of the bins. Um and so I don't think we've ever gotten out of that, though it seems weird because I, I, when 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 TV came in and they said suddenly there's gonna be more than three channels and you're gonna have 400 channels, there was a sense that oh, you could have a poetry channel. Mm-hmm. Or you could have a, a women's, a feminist channel that people could go, go and talk to you. And because before they wouldn't let that be on the air, but now there's so many channels, we don't care if there's an audience to go see that channel, go for it. If it sells something, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of in that place of, and to answer your question is, okay, I, I want to reach more and more audiences. So the people that I know will come up to me after my festivals and go, I'm so, you know, sometimes I'll say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I was dark. I think, or, you know, I have a feeling all of a sudden that maybe I was too dark or no, no, no. I'm so glad you said all those things. We need, you know, we need somebody saying them. We need it to be in the open. You know, thank you for saying them. Um, does that get me into the other clubs or stuff? So do I modify that? And, and again, I think you're, Every artist is being asked, are you compromising and you're going to make your thing more pop or more something that, you know, I'm sure you're thinking about in terms of podcasts. If you're serious about it, you might listen to, you know, what somebody considers a top five podcast. Why are they top five podcasts? Oh, they have music in there. They have this. Oh, should I put music in? Should Do they do this? They only, oh, they're only a half hour. I mean, I mean, so it comes out of your own motivation. Like you said, you want to do it because you want to do it and you want to talk to people and you feel like you want this stuff to come out. So yeah. And maybe the- you're just going with whoever goes with you. And that's kind of where I am a little bit. I'm trying to go with at the same time. I want to be doing shows, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> like po- podcasts have gone on, undergone a huge evolution in the last 10 years. You know, when they started, everyone was an indie, right? Now there are <clears throat> huge corporate, juggernaut juggernauts of podcasting right like um you know you you find those on spotify and other platforms you have to pay to get them and now there's like this the pendulum is swinging back to who are the real indie podcasts like who are the people who are out there still doing it for the love of doing it right and um and so the question is like you know what are the what are the what are the real top five right? They're like the top mm-hmm. five corporate sponsored podcasts that you now find right? right, and the ones that the money is behind. You know, you right. have a guy like Joe Rogan getting, <clears throat> you know, a hundred and fifty right. million dollars or whatever he's getting. You know, right. to do right. his. He started out as he was the original indie podcaster, right? Uh-huh. Then then he, but now he isn't, and now there are other. You know, it's just it's interesting. Like and now, he, people, everybody thinks that maybe I could be that him. And start right. to do podcasts, you know? Yeah. Um, it's tricky because, you know, Jen, I think you hit it on too, and you're hitting uh, the, the sense of where's your passion? So when people ask about being an artist, what, and somebody will say to me, well, you know, you know, especially when they were asking about the festival, then sometimes I'd say to people, do you have a passion about weaving? You want to do a weaving festival? or I mean, is, because if you don't have the passion for it, this is all going to seem like a lot of work. Mm. And you're going to be thinking, uh, when am I going to get the the bone? You know, when, when, where's the carrot at the end of this? And well, maybe there isn't a carrot. The carrot is you doing it. 
and because you love to do it and you want to be doing it. And oh, it gets me to Edinburgh. Okay, I would have never thought I'd go to Edinburgh. And, oh, oh, it gets me to go to Senegal. Okay, wow, wow, wow. I've never been to Africa. And, oh, really? I can actually perform at that festival in Senegal? Oh, wow. Okay, thank you. And, you know, things happen and you making them happen and I'm doing everything. It's not like I wasn't practicing and working on it. And were there big audiences? No. Then all of a sudden somebody, I mean, that happened to me sometimes with my juggling, we do a showcase and you, the people before you had 300 people in the room, you know, and suddenly your spot in the showcase is maybe after lunch or before lunch. And most people left and there was seven people in the room and you go, Oh man. And, you know, and then we'd learn sometimes we, all we needed was those seven people. Cause Four of them were bookers for like 50 shows each or something. Right. Those are and, the right, you know, the right you know I mean? people. And the, and the room that had 230 were single shows. And in the end, you'd find out they got 15 of them or something, you know, mm. and you go, oh, okay. I, you don't, you know, what, what you're looking for, you know, for approval or for acknowledgement, or, you know, I joked about, you know, I do like eating. So yes, it's, if there are sandwiches or enough to give me sandwiches, I'm not looking for, you know, five cars and three houses, and I'm happy with one house and a car that works and um, things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, on, on, you know, I'm, I'm recalling an image on your website, which I really enjoyed um, perusing through and, and, and looking at, and I would encourage people to do that. Just remember, remember the links are in the show notes. Go check those out. Um, you have a picture of three people sitting in an, in an auditorium, on your website, right? <laughs> with with a with a caption that says, "When you look up after you have delivered one of your best pieces, um, and you can tell you're just killing the audience." Was <laughs> that was that based on a real experience? Like was that? Uh, well, I mean, yes and no. So I was, that yeah. was in Austin, Texas. Yeah, we the four of us actually had gotten there a little early before it was starting, and that was a big theater. And I suddenly I was sitting there and I looked around and I thought, "Oh, this is." I had the flash. So I went up to the mic, turned around, took out my phone. One person was reading. The two people looked at me, and I took the picture. And um, yeah, have you? Then, but then I, have you ever been in a circumstance where you feel like I just, I just nailed it? Like this was one of my best performances ever. And there was, yeah, and there was yeah. just a couple of people there. And yeah, that has happened. I mean, I had also yeah. the opposite. Like the first couple times with Do It Now, it's so engrossing to be conscious about what i'm trying to say listen to the other musicians everybody's listening be watching that i didn't when i came off and i saw the reaction i really wanted to look at the video because i thought to myself what the hell did we do because there's people crying and there's people hugging me and there's people saying i can't believe you did that and i was like what what did we what did we do <laughs> yeah so there's, oh, that, so there's that part yeah um and then there's the part of, yeah, I've been in rooms and, oh yeah, this is the piece and yeah, I'm done, boom, and it's dead. And you go, hmm, okay, so that's not the piece, I guess. Uh, or it's, you know, or, you know I, I, I'll i tell people because they say, oh, what do you, I say, listen, you can just, just want, here's the, here's the, the here's the graph, you know, you're up there and they go, and you go, yeah, they, they're, they're, they're being nice, they didn't tell you, you and then, thank you for that, get off, you know, or they're, or they're oh, oh, you know, the, and, yeah. oh, you got to understand <laughs> I mean, I, you can, oh, well, you can ask for it, but you're not going to get it unless you give it. Are you able to just chalk that up like to those are the people who were there at that time? That was my delivery at that time. Or do you do you go back and do you watch videos of your performances and try to deconstruct kind of like 
okay, I should have put more emphasis on this phrase. Uh, all or- of it, actually. All, all of it, actually. Yeah. Um, I was brought up with the director who encouraged that I shouldn't just be taking his eye. We videoed things. And you'd watch it and you'd realize, oh, I, I'm, I'm, my left hand, my right hand is doing all these things. Why am I doing that? Put it down. I don't, you know, oh, it's my nervousness. Oh, let's watch a video where I don't do that. Oh, wow. There, you're, I'm getting, I can see the audience is being much more concentrated. They're really listening to me. I'm not distracting them. Um, so you learn things about yourself in that. I also, one time we performed, I was in a four man troupe one time and we performed at this place where we had like 10 shows in a row, various times during the day. Sometimes we're getting standing ovations. Sometimes they're just kind of walking out and it was the same show and we were doing it pretty much. And yes, there are times when you're not quite on, but we also realized it's audience. Those people were hungry. Those people were hungry. They came in to kind of see the show. They saw they wanted to leave. They wanted to go eat. The other people came in. They had been full. They were ready for a show. They wanted to laugh. They were ready to go. Bam. We, we had what they need to do it. And they went and it went. Yeah. And so, that goes back to the aspect where some people say that to me and I'll say, well, that, and when I mentioned the story about the woman reading, I bring my work with me and I almost don't know until I'm hitting the stage what I'm going to read because I'm watching the for other people before me. If I'm first, then I'm going to try a couple of things or see, I look at the you know people around. But if I have a little ways in, I'm looking and saying, short ones are working here. This is a crowd that wants short ones. This is a crowd that wants to do whatever it is. And then that's when I'm pulling out my work and saying, okay, I have something for that. Or, or they seem to be in cats today. Okay. I've got three cat pieces. Uh, (laughs) If they they want cats, I can give them cats, you know? Yeah. Um, Hearing you talk, you know, and I know this might just be performing, but I'm hearing a lot of parallels to the the craft of stand-up comedy. And also on your, I think on, on your website, somebody compared some of your work to that of, you know, the best stand-up comics. And, you know, I did a little stand-up myself on the open mic circuit 10 years or so ago. And like a lot of what you're saying resonates to me, uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, preparing and Leading going the with audience. the, going with the crowd. And sometimes there's just two people in the room and you get up and you you still do your thing, right? And you try to learn from something from it. And but I wanted to ask you about about humor, like how important. Because you know, I'm sensing you're a you, you're somebody who tries to find humor in things. And I'm just wanting you to talk to us a little about what humor means to you and how you approach it and think about it in your work and maybe even in your personal life. Well, there's a long history or tradition the Native Americans talked about their clowns. I mean, becoming a juggler and thinking about vaudeville and clowning took me into the history of a lot of different things about what was funny or not funny or what people wanted to see. And was it because they were being slapped and all that stuff that I mentioned? One of the things that that I read in terms of Native American stuff was that they expressed that they might even shit on something that's the most sacred because they wanted to, um, if you were laughing, you, you could take in the information. That was the sense. If you're depressed and crying, you're probably not hearing what's being said. I've had people say to me, I got home and you know what? I'm not sure why I laughed. 
I really laughed at your show, but you weren't talking about funny things. And so I, there's part of me, I mean, uh, laughter, I think is, I love laughter myself. I think laughter gives hope. I think laughter brings something. And I didn't want to do comedy clubs. And yes, I actually, this piece that just won the Miller audio was in poetry and humor and they threw it out of poetry and they gave me the humor award. So they were really, and everybody was saying, see, I told you you should do stand-up, but I didn't really like the stand-up clubs. I wasn't doing the take my wife or, you know, some line of old comics and I wasn't doing one liners and I wasn't doing tits and ass. And I wasn't doing all the stuff that you go, okay, I'm not, um, and I'm not trying to, and, and they were competitive. That's why I said I didn't like slams. Right. I was looking for an audience that, and what I've done in my own festivals and a lot of people comment on it and it's, it's gotten me on other shows where a lot of, um, uh, open mics and people have events said I, we don't we hadn't thought about they're always hassling with people trying to get them off the mic i put sign sand timers into my events so there's two sand timers when you go up you flip over the sand timer one has five minutes one has three minutes depending on what we're doing the five minutes is black when the black sand is gone you're gone no i have two more pages no no, there's no more, you know, you don't have two more pages. I only have another paragraph. No, no, your sand is gone. And it was to do a couple of things. It was to respect that we're trying to get these many people in the hour and you taking up the time. We can't get those people in. It's not all about you. Two, I wanted people in the audience to relax because people get worried that how are we going to get rid of this person when you don't like them? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be gone. Yeah. And they're going to, and they're going to go on and on. And I'm, I'm already getting out of my chair. I'm leaving the club. Well, I was going to ask you why a sand timer, not some other kind of digital timer that the performer can uh, see. Nobody can argue against when I used to try to do a clock, you know, I looked at my watch. You started your blah, 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 blah. No. Yeah. The sand timer is there for everybody to see. And everybody sees the black sand's gone. And the whole audience then says, um, you're done. You're gone. <laughs> yeah, You're right. done. They can You're see done. the end. They could see the end, like you said. They it, see it, the end. Yeah. And people have said, oh, you know, I didn't like that person, but about midway, those three lines were excellent. I love that. I, and there's also there's some kind of um in performing, there's there's a metaphor about dying, right? <laughs> about dying on stage. And I and I in the 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 sand timer also has its its um, metaphorical links to sand life and time. to life and death. I love that. <laughs> well, I, and I and I back to you know what I said. I, I was kind of saying to people for these events, we're playing this game where you're using five minutes, but yeah. I'm not going to do it like slams where everyone has to sound the same, everyone has to be in the same cadence. You have to use the whole five minutes. If you only use a minute, that's why there's two. You go up when you flip over the timer. You only use a minute and a half. Great. You just let yours run. The next person comes up. They have another timer to flip. By time they're done, the other timer is good for the next person. Um, And so some people (coughs) want to read to the last grain. And I get it because nobody's being heard. So some of these 
readings are really, you know, it's a, it's an amazing drug and you must know from doing a little bit of stand up. Oh yeah. The audience loving you is an amazing drug. Oh, it's, it's one of the most wonderful things in the world when you, and you don't want to get off. No, and you don't <laughs> want to get off, you know? Yeah. And so you have to go, no, 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 you have to, otherwise you're going to kill it. Now you have to get off, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I was obsessive about it though. I knew the, the venues I was going to, how much time I would have. And I would, I would, you know, try to, I would try to craft my set so I could get it right in the five minutes. You know, it was, yep. it's usually always five minutes, you know, and yeah. Yeah. And that's something in itself yeah. that people don't realize that you do that for a while and you can say a lot in three yeah. minutes. You yeah. can say a lot in five minutes. Um, and uh, I mean, it's funny. I was talking to someone today and they said they found this pool hall that, um, you know, but most people don't go to pool halls anymore, but there was, he found the pool hall and he said it was interesting because it was a whole place of people who wanted to improve their pool sk skills. And he didn't go there to shoot pool, to play games, nine ball, eight balls, straight. Pin. He just shot, um, what, what do you call them? They were like uh, exercises. So the one exercise was to put the cue ball in place, hit it in the middle, that it hits, goes all the way to the end of the table, bounces off that bunker, but comes right back to where you are and hits the cue in the middle. And he said, when somebody told him to do that, he said, oh, okay. And then he was there like for 15, 20 minutes and it wasn't happening. Hmm. And he realized, why is this? Not? And then he started practicing it and realized, oh, yeah, all these things are skills that, um, you know, like somebody would say, oh, I want to do three balls juggling. And they'd pick up three balls and I'd be like, can you throw one ball from one hand to the other? Can I see you do that? Oh, you just threw it across the room. So you can't even catch one ball <laughs> in your other hand. Yeah. So there's no reason to start with three. And you're not bad. You're not, nothing's wrong with you. This, there's, and this is what I think when we were talking about before is missing. If you say, oh, I want to be a spoken word artist or I want my writing to improve. It's like, well. You, there's work, there's exercises, there's work, there's, you need to go to open mics so that you've had 50 chances of being on the stage to see what that's like, get over your nervousness. Right. Um, one little tip that I would say to other writers, I read a great book about performers that they did a long time ago about thinking that stage fright was going to disappear. Mm. And so they went to all these people like, you know, this is way back, like the Bob Hopes and Dean, you know, these folks and said, so you're done with stage fright, right? And the people who were most successful as performers said, no, I have in my writer, I need a bucket near the curtain because I throw up. Mm. I need this here because I have to piss. I have to. Da, 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 da. And what they said they learned is, is that they used to beat themselves up because they're getting ready to go. And, oh, my stomach's upset again. Why can't my stomach be upset? I don't want it to be upset. I'm going to drink this. I'm going to do that. And instead, when they changed it to stop beating themselves up of my body's telling me I'm getting ready to step in front of 5,000 people, this could go badly. There's reasons for me to be gearing up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's reasons for me to suddenly think I have a headache or something's going on that I'm and oh, my hands are sweating profusely. And that's right. And, and, yeah. and then they stop focusing on trying to stop themselves from having this taking it in, doing it, but concentrating on and Paul Richmond and being ready to go and yeah. stepping out and doing what they've been practicing. Like you said, you're ready for your five minutes of comedy, yeah. whether it's you thought it was funny, you're hoping they think it's funny, <clears throat> but it's not like you just thought it up and you've worked it out. So it runs. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's I mean, so and and to, you know, to kind of connect it back to what you're doing, like sometimes, you know, sometimes you try a new line, right? Or you you read you you think of you're going along and you think of a new angle on that joke and you throw it out there and let's see what happens with this one, right? <laughs> and um, you're also videotaping it and you can go back and look at it after. Um, so, Paul, I want to play one more piece of yours um, before okay. I, before we. I want to talk a little bit more about the publishing world oh, yeah, a little okay. bit and talk a little bit more about human error publishing. Um, I did want to play one more piece um, uh, before we start talking about that stuff. So the one I'm going to play <clears throat> is um, a piece that I, I came across called being upset. And I liked, I liked this piece. Um, it's an older piece. I'm, I want to ask you about some of that yeah. on the other side of this. So I'm going to okay. go ahead and hit play on this one. Okay. Oh, All yep. right, here we go. Okay, sir, I'm sorry. There is nothing in my handbook about dealing with customers who are upset, okay? In fact, uh, the manual doesn't even acknowledge that it's even possible for you to be upset or that you would even know how to be upset. I understand, I understand. It seems that there's a lot of marching in the streets, there's a lot of yelling and screaming, a little burning of buildings, destruction. I understand that looks like those are signs of you being upset, okay? But the, uh, according to the manual, uh, I'm sorry to say, being upset is not one of the options, okay? Either either is getting mad, angry, anything like that, that's not listed as some of the choices that you have, okay? I don't know how to explain that to you. Uh, my superiors tell me that, you know, if it's, it's not clear to you, basically, we, you know, you'll be beat or killed. That's kind of, you know, helps discourage usually people from getting upset. Uh, we appreciate it if you would just cooperate. Uh, I want you to just wait here in this room, okay, with these other people, and please don't talk to them about whether they're upset, okay? Um, we'll let you know when uh, we're gonna talk to you about who you should direct your anger at, because because it's you know much better for my superiors if your you know anger is kind of just generally misguided. Uh, while you're waiting, though, like I said, we'd rather don't talk to anybody else. Uh, please don't ask if they're upset. Please don't hand out any of that information. Uh, please no texting, twittering, you know, flash mobs, dancing in the banks, all that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, listen, I don't know how many times we have to tell you uh, the military budget is off limits, okay? It's just off limits. So stop handing out those leaflets and getting everyone riled up, okay? I mean, having a lot of people riled up and upset is a problem. Uh, I'm sure somebody can, something can be worked out or somebody will get something for you. I mean, do you need more chocolate? I mean, uh, take another piece of pie if you like. I don't know if that <laughs> will help. Uh, we're here to do whatever we can. Uh, you, hopefully you get pacified. Uh, that's our job. Uh, you know, sleep outside a store and fight over a TV or something, okay? If you're going to continue to be upset, let me just explain this. It's not going to be easy on you, okay? Uh, I know, I understand. It has been proven um, that people being upset, uh, it does work to make change. I love the I love the end of this, right? Because <laughs> you spend all this time talking about um, why people shouldn't be upset, right? The the you shouldn't be upset police, whoever they are. I imagine them in their stormtrooper like gear coming in and telling you. But then then we end there with exactly why you should be upset, right? Like I, I love that. I love the, I love the polls of, of, of that video and that message and where it ends. And as I was, so obviously we hadn't talked when I first listened to that, but as we've now been talking for 
almost an hour and a half. Like I'm connecting that to some of the stuff we spoke about before the, the what's happening message and ethos, right. Of activation of activism versus the whateverness or the, it is what it is, right? Those are the, is what it is, what it is police coming in to tell you, I have a, a completely new perspective on this piece. Now, having listened to it, Paul, <laughs> I, for, for, you know, an, another time, it's just, uh, I'm just, I'm sitting here just um, really reflecting on that. So I don't know if there's anything you wanted to tell us about that piece and, and its creation and how you view it now after some time. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. Um, well, it goes back uh, a number of things you've said, and Jin said something about being, um, you know, numb. I think um, too many people have been, oh, call customer support or do something, and you're on the phone, and it's five, you know, click this, and your our menu has changed, and, and you know, it's, it's to make it better, and it's not better, and you get to finally where you're supposed to be able to talk to someone, and it hangs up, or they're not there, and you're supposed to leave a message now, or whatever it is, and the old satisfaction, you know, come in and return things, and we want you to be satisfied, and, um, I had a, I, I did a s- similar piece in which I actually did kind of a back and forth of talking to someone where I said I was calling satisfaction guaranteed and they were asking me, what did I need? And I said, I'm, I'm just not satisfied. And they would say, Oh, so you need it. You know, the, 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 it didn't come with the right plugs. You need a different color. You need us to ship something. You run through all the stuff. So I did want to, there's a history Um, I mean, I saw a lot of things change. I saw women being, getting a little more respect, changing clothes, being seen, yet they're still not being paid equal rights. But there was a lot of things that happened that people had to really fight very hard for. 40-hour weeks, the people who died in unions, and all this different stuff that there's a history lost that, yes, it was a struggle, and when some people say to me, you know, wow, you guys, the boomers, you know, look, you destroyed everything. It's like, hey, wait a minute. When I was in high school, there weren't that many freaks. You know, Woodstock was like, wow, there's a lot of us, but there wasn't a lot of us. There was small numbers in all the different towns. So there, it was kind of like realizing, oh, we've always been in this place where there's a group of people trying to hold up the mirror. I think one of the great sci-fi movies is that one where the guy has the sunglasses and he puts them on and oh, they live. The yeah, called they live. And then all of a sudden, it's like it's not the billboard, but it's obey and there's control. And so, I mean, it's kind of you're trying to bring back some realization that um, no segregation happened for a reason. No busing uh, changing. The black people could sit on buses. You know, um, no gay. No, you, you had to say you were bi a long time ago. That you know you really were normal, but once in a while you drifted. You know, and then no, no, okay, now you can say you're you're gay and. And now you can say, well, I'm LGBT, da, 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 a whole bunch of things. Um, but is that if you if the water's poisonous, does that matter? If you can't breathe the air, does that, it all matters? But where are we joining together to try to? Uh, um, and so I wanted to, and with that piece, I wanted to try to say that yeah, the customers calling and they're getting, don't even try. I mean, it's like what you said about going into work and having to say it is what it is. The the message is don't try, and you start to believe that not that it's not going to work because you do try some things and it doesn't seem to work. 
And you realize, well, no, that, you know, of course it's not going to work. They don't want it to work. We have to really um, make this happen or you have to create it yourself. I mean, I think some people, you know, don't realize how many of those things that happen. And I mean, like the food co-ops, they're very different now, but nobody knew what brown rice was or tofu. Or, I mean, so many people decided to start making right. these they're in, you know, in basements where food health officials freaked out because there were all these boxes open and people were just grabbing food. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, and yeah, I'm glad it's gotten more sophisticated, but there were people who tried to make all these different things happen. Yeah. If women hadn't stood up and said, no, I'm not, you know, and, and got put down for women's studies instead of the empowerment that they gave and it made it into a cliche, you know, burning bras. And they tried to really divert the issue that they were talking about being raped, sold for their bodies, not equal pay, you know, and we're still fighting it. We're still, you know, now we're going backwards. Yeah. 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 And, you know, just along those lines, I mean, looking for hope, right? Like one of the things I take tremendous hope from is the, what seems like a resurgence of unions in this country. I'm a union, I'm a union president um, Uh for a large union in western massachusetts and oh, well, uh-huh. and seeing uh seeing the revitalization of the labor movement and people yep. uh, understanding they have power and being upset right is yep. is uh it's what gets me up in the morning <laughs> honestly you um <clears throat> you know um, and what's yeah. interesting is i realize in hearing you hearing you talk I took that poem to a, a much darker place in my mind, right? I know it was about now hearing you talk, I realized it was about calling a customer service line. In my mind, it was about in my Watching mind the, 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 the play that was the, the the vision that was playing out in my head was the customer service people are showing up at your door. Either way, I mean to, it's they're all you know kind what, of connected, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, totally but, that also, you know. But yeah. I don't know if that I don't know if that speaks to for me, just for me, or for where we're at now versus when when you wrote it and performed it, or and, and I, you know. Well, that goes along with our whole conversation. The subtlety yeah. of that concept. I like I said, I have another piece where I actually list the menu items. Press thirty four for a hysterectomy. Press thirty five for a colonoscopy. Press uh-huh. three, you know, just run through all kinds of things that you might have to press through. Not getting to finally press ninety eight to try to remember why you called. Mm. There's yeah. that, but there's this one was kind of yeah, like you said, it was more the system wide that I'm calling in to to discuss and try to so to get back to because you want to get into the publishing and what this means about this so. I published this piece. You can say when you're talking about publishing, what is publishing? Yeah. It's getting in front of people to see besides yourself. You know, people who have poems, they have them in their drawer or they have them on their computer, but no one else is seeing them. And will anybody want to read them or not? And putting them into a book and having it there. Now, suddenly there's more people to see it. And some people have said to me, oh, you're curating these. And no, I'm not curating these. I'm picking and choosing people who I have seen read or come to me. I kind of have a closed submission. I'm not really, but I uh, taking supposedly, but I have calls every day and I'm six books in and there's like eight more books people want. And so, and I'm feeling like what I'm trying to do is I think everybody, if they have an audience, they will see they have an audience. If they put their book out and their mother doesn't even want to read it. Um, 
and it doesn't go anywhere, then they'll rethink about, well, maybe it's, maybe it's not the book. Maybe it's, I'm too early. People don't know. I'm going to keep trying because I, I want to say these things. And so publishing to me is, I mean, it's this way. I grew up before, I mean, so a mimeograph machine, mm-hmm. if anybody even knows what they are, I was do. a revolutionary tool because with a stack of papers, <laughs> you could print anything you wanted and hand it out. So there were so many magazines in the early 50s and 60s that were what might be called indie now or something, but where people produced, stapled together women's poems or other people's things and passed them out. And they then got bigger and maybe they started to get ads and then they became the voice or they became the Rolling Stones or whatever, you know, the the magazine. And, And so things move in that way. And we're always in this, who owns the technology? People complaining about whether Facebook blocks you or does this. And so it's interesting because like in the publishing world, there's really only two major big publishers. It's Amazon that has KDP as their publishing printing place. And you have Ingram, which represents all the old publishing houses. And they, in a way, it seems like only got into the game because Amazon was making so much money off indie writers. They didn't really want to deal with all the writers that people who used Amazon used because they wanted to be the gatekeepers of saying, you're the best poet or you're Right. A great New York, I think it was a New York Times article, one of those New Yorker, where the person who sold the most books wasn't the person with MFA and hadn't been in those special magazines and hadn't won the award. It was some guy who lived in his parents' basement, was doing podcast, you know, doing a show after five years, had 300,000 people who were listening to him. He told him he was going to put out a book and he sold 100,000 books. And the other person with all the quote ways of going about it went to, you know, the prestigious MFA school and da da da, only sold 40,000 books. And so their hit was I guess we've moved to a new state in which everyone is creating their audience. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 but do you have access to find an audience? Right. Do you have access to the resources to be able to, to, you know, because even, even doing a podcast like this requires some amount of resources, right? You have to be able to pay the annual hosting fee and you need all of this technology to be able to do it. Right. So, you know, it's not, there is a, there's a level of privilege there that I'm aware of in being able to have this, this platform and, and And it's gotten less and less and cheaper and cheaper. And, you know, what you're using was only in studios for NBC before. Right. And now you can have it in your room. So there's major, I mean, people will get upset. and say, you're using Amazon. And it's like, well, I don't want to use Ingram. And, or I'll say, well, you know, Amazon's ex-wife donates to a lot of organizations. And we are in a contradictory thing where I'm using the beast to talk about the beast. Yeah. And that's, we, you know, and this yeah. is, it's kind of a bizarre thing. And will it be stopped if too many people start listening? I don't know. You know? Well, I, I think I mentioned this earlier in a different context, but it's it's our about polarization, right? And, and our tendency things are th- things are either entirely all good or entirely all bad, right? And right. I think there's some, I think you're speaking to this. There's some gray area, potentially gray areas in there where you can use Amazon to help, you know, potentially work against 
the bad things Amazon is doing too. Like that, I think that's. And I see the change in people's lives. I mean, I've I've published over 45, I think, authors. A number of them, almost all of them, never thought they'd ever have a book. Um, And they, it's totally changed them. And they've talked about that. They suddenly have realized, oh, I didn't realize this was my audience, or I didn't realize I was really speaking to women who are considered overweight or this or that, or I'm a veteran or whatever it might be. And that they found their audience, which inspired them to realize they wanted to trust what they're feeling more and be a voice for that. How, how do authors typically connect with you and connect with um, human error publishing? Like how, how do you, how do you two come together? Um, Basically, in the beginning, it was because I was going to, like I said, all these festivals. And once I started to publish my own and I realized I could publish other people, I would talk to the people I saw coming off the stage and they would say what I said. They couldn't get anybody to publish them. And I would say, I'll publish it. Some of that, and this has all changed over time because some people got into, oh, it's self-publishing. You'll never be respected. And it was like, Actually, Benjamin Franklin self-published himself. <laughs> That's right. And, and the mimeograph machine was publishing themselves. And so it's, again, the system somehow trying to make you feel like if you didn't, you, oh, you went to a community college for your MFA? No, I went to Yale. And so, again, it's not really getting into did you learn? Was there a fantastic teacher at that community college? And you are, you have a great piece of work, you know? Um. So I, some of that happened because of me being in festivals, COVID threw a whole wrench into words and performings now. So I couldn't see those people, but after I did a certain number of authors and I'm, you know, I'm known because I have created a lot of events for other poets, all my events that I've created were not just so that I had a venue. I mean, to have 175 other writers reading, it's not about me. I mean, there's a lot of performances happening. I'm not in them uh, and the people are performing and people see that and have thanked me for like the garlic and arts festival that as they mentioned was October 1st and 2nd this year. We're coming back after two years. I actually convinced those people after doing it out in the woods, creating another space and building this space with trees and all kinds of things to um, create a word stage and create an environment so that people came in and would realize that for an hour, 20 minutes, they were going to listen, hear words. That's amazing. And and it's bizarre part about it is there's a big tent and there's chairs, but I left enough of an opening near where you kind of walk in because I knew, and it turned out to be true. A lot of people stood there because they didn't want to feel like they were going to commit to sit sitting down and they're going to be trapped. So they were acting like I'm just coming in. What's going on in here? You know, and then they'd stay for a whole writer or a whole half hour, which usually has three writers in it. And then they'd leave. Or some people would come up to me and go, I didn't know what this is. What is this word? You know? uh, and again, people were doing poetry or they were doing this or prose or story. And again, if I would say it was poetry, probably nobody would come down to that stage. Yeah. Um, and so um, people find me because of that. And then they see the books out by the folks. I do a monthly reading where there's a bunch of people. I put their books so when their friends ask them, geez, how, you know, who's the publisher who helped you get your book? If you, you know, can I get a book? Then they refer them to me and then I talk to them. And I actually do a Zoom thing like this with you uh, in the sense that it, it, 
we're creating the book together. And so if I can tell, you know, it's not going to really work, or you think you're hiring me to do your book, I'm not a vanity press. So you're not paying me to publish, right? I'm putting out your book. And if your book sells, then as a publisher, I make money because the book sold. So I have to pick and choose how many, because I could be doing this all day, all night. And like you said, then where's the sandwiches if your book only goes to your mother? I right. Mean, yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. Thanks for explaining that to us. Um, is uh, I think I know the answer to this, but... Um, Good, tell me. What is it? <laughs> we'll do a Jeopardy thing. I'll give you the answer first. You can guess the question. Um, what is it? What does it mean to you to put, to be able to give an avenue and a pathway to some of these folks out into the world and to be seen? Like where where you're at now in your journey. Like what does it mean to you to be able to do this? If I believe that. The inherently as an anarchist concept that people are essentially good. And then in order for there to be democracy, you have to have a voice and you have to know what your voice is and you have to have the confidence of using your voice and that you see that we're here to discuss. I'm not here to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. It goes back to things I learned in the native American stuff of a circle and I'm one point on the circle with a view and I'm seeing what we're talking about from that point. You are now telling me something from that other point. And the question is, what are the truths and how do we overlay on the truths to make something happen? And so if you don't have a voice, I don't see there any chance for democracy. And if you don't have confidence to have your voice, then I don't see a chance for democracy. And so my readings and giving people a mic and giving people an opportunity to, and people have said this, I, I, I never spoke in public. I don't, my voice would go, I couldn't get my voice to work and, and more than one person talking. And now they're up there talking and really expressing themselves. And it's not my, I'm only creating I'm not a God that create helps this and touch them. And they're magically doing this. I'm just helping to create. And it comes out of that past of the happenings, the, the what's happening that you created something you, you attempted to, you you believe that you figured out how to fix, fix Volkswagens and you put a sign up and now you were fixing Volkswagens and people came to you because you could fix Volkswagens and you know, or Chevy's or whatever you decided to do. And, and so I realized I, if there's no venues for this, then it's not going to happen. So one of my, instead of, I, I've been arrested many times and stood in lines and had the signs and thought another way of protest is I'm going to create these events. I'm going to create real areas of freedom of speech where sometimes people say, I can't believe you let that guy say that. I said, well, that was his five minutes and yeah, that was pretty ugly and that was pretty racist and that definitely was sexist. And, but that's what he feels actually. Right. So maybe we should try to figure out how to talk to him. Uh, but that there's no space for it to happen and there's no space to figure out, like you said, Oh, could you go over to the person with the gun and actually have a conversation? I mean, I think there's a woman at Smith who's been putting out this thing about calling in over calling out. I wish I could remember her name and it's really good 
aspect about, she was saying, you know, it's not 50, 50, it's actually 75, 25, maybe of people who agree. And if you're yelling at people, then you're keeping it 50, 50. You're not trying to call in somebody to say, why are you doing that? Oh, they, I mean, I, I had this with Columbine. I was doing high schools performing Columbine high school. The shooting happened. The next two weeks, all our shows, kids were coming dressed up as the Columbine kids. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Various things were happening. And it was because, like, it was almost like you realize the media was like, oh, David Bowie changed his hair orange. And the next day, a whole bunch of people have orange hair. A whole bunch of kids saw the symbol of the trench coats as I'm being beat up. I'm, I'm fighting back. The school's who took the time to say, why are you dressed like this? Who's beating you up? What's happening? Right. And the media wants you to believe it's the trench coats. And they, and, and, and some schools didn't ask the questions. They suddenly just wanted cameras, police guns. And it was like, no, no, you I mean, high schools have sometimes been very brutal places and where are the adults and who is watching what's going on and helping people to talk about, you shouldn't be treating people that way. Um, so I to not get off that too much because like I said we could talk for hours on this thing. I, in terms of the word, the festivals, I'm it's an act of civil disobedience, you could say almost because if there's no venue to happen, I'm trying to convince restaurants, bar fronts, parks, um, festival something you know create my own. If I can, I, I'm doing now pop up in Turner's Falls at the Taco Truck Santo Taco. They have a parking lot and they agreed to give me once in a while to put up my sound system and people bring their own chairs. And I had these great word events, tacos and words. That's cool. And, and other people show up and go, what's going on here? What are people doing? Um, And, you know, and, and then dealing with, Oh wait, okay. Some family just came up with kids, you know? So uh, could the person who's now saying, you know, fuck you 40 times, not do that poem. Cause they don't, you know, we're trying to, also respect um, Santo Taco and them doing business, or do you see that as fighting your freedom of speech? And but then at least you're there, you have all these conversations, um, and 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 sometimes it can work out, sometimes it doesn't. So the back to the publishing to keep it as if we have an actual thread is it's part <laughs> of that aspect of like creating the events. I'm helping the I'm I'm doing my little part in using the technology to help get out my own books and other people's books and have them. Now some people are on their second book. Some people like Josh did the book with me and then he's got, you know, three, four other publishers that are doing his books. And, um, and so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's reinforcing and I'm trying to give, you know, it's like what you're talking about. Can you affect the person with the gun? Yeah, I feel like I've been getting feedback that of the 40 people who have published and a lot of people who have come to my events, I feel honored when people say, I see you as someone with integrity. I see you helping us get out our work. I trust you with trying to do my book. Um, you know, can you help me get my book out while you're not charging me? Okay, I'm sorry, I only sold 40 books. Okay, well, that's what you did. Uh, somebody else sold 200. Okay, that wasn't bad. You know, whatever it is. Oh, it's a real thing. Do you want to go out and really, are you really trying to get your word out or right. the work, you know, the work part of it? We talked about before, hustle. right? The hustle. Yeah. You got to do and it. And is it a hustle or is it just realizing, no, no, there's a lot of, 
women who ran away at 15 and for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And, and your book on running away at 15, why isn't it in all the women's uh, halfway houses or somewhere? Cause it's a real story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, so Paul, what, before we um, begin to transition into our last couple of questions, which will be a little lighter, I think, um, how can people find and support your work? What's the best way for people listening to this to, to see where you're at, to learn more about you? Uh, I mean, if you go to Human Error Publishing, uh, all one word, Human Error Publishing, E-R-R-O-R, humanerrorpublishing.com, it will take you to a lot of the sites that um, are there. And, you know, I, I've tried to do the Kofi and there there's you know i have the pay-per-view channel that if you want to watch some things you can donate as much as you want or not uh buying the books is always a good thing to do um there's the other parts of i have had and i've been in i've been in two different cities one city that i got headhunted to be where i am now in, in, in the turners in a way because i wasn't i was having a hard time getting venues and the shea theater and um the river culture uh, who, you know, towns like Turner's Falls and East Hampton have hired artists or artist coordinators who help make the events happen. Yeah. And so you know, other places go, I wonder how come there's so many events happening in East Hampton or why is everyone going to Turner's Falls to do this? You know, they have a, they're having a Native American power. Oh, they're having a concert in the park. Having, it's because they see that bringing, sorry, what? They invested in it. Well, they also, they created a person. So as an example, yeah, I won't mention the town. I said, oh, I'm trying to, you know, how do I have this festival? Well, you should go to the council and you have to get them. There, and there's this paperwork. And it's, okay, so how do I get that? Well, you go get it, you know. No, no. The River Culture came up and said, we want you. The Shea wants you. Uh, here's the four farms sign. I filled them out. I'm going to take <clears> them to them. We're going to get this to work. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Uh, Paul, you know. Uh, we're we're involved somewhat in town politics, and we we had somebody had the audacity to suggest to us <laughs> recently um, that art doesn't drive economic development. How many how many how many uh, uh, research? I mean, how many towns it's have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars it's, to bring oh, people in? It's mine. What I, do you what do you need here? Well, you need affordable housing. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Artists, you need venues. Otherwise, artists can't do their work. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. I, yeah. Well, watch what happened. You had Northampton for a long time, had studio spaces, had cheaper rents. You took that away. They moved to Florence mm-hmm. and they moved to East Hampton. East Hampton's has stopped the flow a little bit by putting rent control on some of the studio spaces, have created venues. Their rents are going up. Well, people move to West. I mean, you can watch this throughout history. I mean, all in New York. Oh, oh, here's all the abandoned factories. Okay, all the artists. Oh, now there's coffee shops. Oh, now there's this. Oh, Oh, coffee shops. Sorry, I'm a little bitter. This is a bitter topic. This is this is this is um, stomping Jen's uh, raison d'être. Um, start is, stopping, Jen. Start stopping. No, I've been stopping. <laughs> she, she's trying. She's doing. Trying a, she's so doing hard. a really good job of of, so of, of ringing the bell and trying to get people to pay attention to what's happening in in towns like East Hampton and Turners and um, Holyoke and Holyoke Spring, and you know, Springfield. And I could just keep going on. Yeah, it's amazing. So, well, how uh, would you define it really quickly? How would you define then what you see is happening? 
uh, I see that things are being transformed through arts and culture. It's driving economic development. It drives community development, brings people together, placemaking. I mean, the whole thing. Having events where people come together to share an experience helps drive the dollars in that community. You're going to a, you're going to a restaurant. You're going to guess it. Yeah. So why? So this is related to all the different things we've talked about. Yeah. Why is it not obvious? I don't know. I don't know we, because we, could, we, we don't want because because the excuses are oh we're we're you know we're just a quiet town with lots of open space and we just um, we don't want to be like that city down the street we don't want to be uh, Amherst if you want to go to if you want to go to that city then why do you live here oh well, yeah I I think <laughs> I well, yeah yeah I don't know. I don't know the answer yeah sorry. I don't know the answer. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, so this, no, this is no, this is a good example. Yeah, because we could have any of the topics we talked about in this hour and a half, and say, why isn't any of those things we talked about obvious? Mm-hmm. And which makes it for us kind of discouraging, and might make us. And I'm going to think, why do you think I don't like my water chunky? Mm. Water was never chunky. It is what it is. What's, what is exactly? Yeah. What is all the stuff? It's always in the water? been that way. Always what, what, been what is, that way. Yeah. What? 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 Don't you remember about why it can't be? It was the champagne given to us by nature. It was amazing. Um, and so, I'm. I think we're trying. All this is. It's kind of trying to raise the veil. It's trying to, yeah. uh, to make statements or say something, and it's the opposite because you know we see that they're good at. You say the lie long enough, people think it's true. So we're trying to say the truth long enough, hoping yeah. that it suddenly rings and go, you're right. I, the yeah. water wasn't chunky before, you know? Yeah. It yeah. kills me because I have this conversation all the time. Like, how is it not more obvious? <laughs> it, yeah. You know, like, I can't be the only person. Well, we're trying. Well, I mean, you, you, try to, you try to isolate to say, what don't you like? Okay, you don't want cheeky shops. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You, I mean, do we have, well, wait a minute. Let's just start with, do you have arts in the school? Oh, you don't have any arts in the school. Okay. So none of these students will become artists. How do you plan on continuing to support the arts if there's not even arts in the school? Yeah, and I, and I see that as a really big thing related to the headsets that we were talking about, because when you're given a sheet of paper and there's a couple of different paintbrushes and there's a couple of different paints, and since um, someone says, you know, paint, you know, try to paint something, oh my God, look at it, it looks awful and. And if we start to, again, go back to what we were talking about experiential learning, well, did you like the fat brushes better? Did you like the thinner brushes? How come everything you're using is red? Uh, is that okay? What do you, you know, no, it's not a Rembrandt. No, I, okay, I thought it was a dog. You're telling me it's a bird. Okay, so, yeah, you know, it doesn't really work. I, mean, I tried to write a piece about that, you know, that I I, I only, I, I decided it was my first time that I, I wanted the sticker from the art teacher and she thought I drew a dog and it's fine. It's really a bird, but I want the sticker. Mm. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, we'll just keep trying. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's the, I'm, I might know the name of this podcast. It might be what's happening with um, Paul Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We may, no, but that's still that's the theme here is we've got to um, be activating yeah. Right. Rather than right. accept. And don't just give up. You got to practice and hone your right. mastery of a skill if that's important to you. Yeah. Um, Whatever Paul, it is. That, I mean, you have many different people who've been on your thing and each of them became, you could say, quote, experts mm-hmm. in what they presented. 
did they go to the regular school or was it because they just did it and right. trial and error, all the different stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of amazing stories about people who just stumbled, even just stumbled into something and, and were like, Oh my God, I didn't know this was my passion and mm-hmm. that I could right. do this. And I'm going to just, I'm going to try it. Here we go. Yeah. But um, see that, that big step, that step right there that you just talked about is yeah. so scary for me. Do you even acknowledge your passion? Yeah, and when you see it, do you, does it scare you? Because you think, "Oh, my, nobody wants me to be an opera singer," or you know, I don't know what it might be. Right. Um, I can't make I a living. Thought. I can't make a living being an opera singer. Well, may, yes, you can, and if you, you know, just or maybe it. it's not. But again, maybe you maybe. don't end up being an opera singer, singer. But you, that type of singing, you other people want to learn how you sing. I mean, I saw yeah. some old Kate Bush the other day, <clears> and I just thought. Isn't this interesting that she, I mean, she got her own acclaim, but how wild her pieces were and so non-pop of all the different stuff that was going on. And now how many people are actually copying it? Mm. Was she the, oh, sorry, go ahead, Paul. No, it's okay. I was going to say, was she the one we heard that song on, on Stranger this? Well, there's a show we really like called Stranger Things. You yes, may have so heard about it. She's back in the mainstream. Yeah, um, yeah. They had this really beautiful Kate Bush song that's just um, it's so funny out too. of this world yeah so sorry. and if you watched her she was dancing she had costumes she was before kind of glam rock or, or this whole idea she was bringing all kinds of art forms and emotional things into she was going to do something and then the word and it was like no i'm not just singing i want to hold your hand i want to hold your hand i want to hold your hand it was something else yeah. not that that i want to hold your hand was a change and did open up stuff but then if you if you just even follow the you know rock and all those songs, who started to actually start saying some things? Mm, yeah. I mean, I see some things. You know, what's war good for? The 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 uh, lost last poets. The um, you know Gil Scott Herring. <laughs> I mean, you have uh, and on and on and on of people who suddenly took that genre and said, "I'm going to talk about something." Yeah. <sighs> We could go on forever about this stuff. I was just, what popped into my mind was, A, the Beatles, like where they went in the short period of time from where they started, right? I want to hold your hand to the White Album. And then I was thinking about Dylan, like Bob Dylan, who who would have thought in, you know, the late 50s and early 60s that he would have won a Nobel Prize for literature, you know, like, and, and... that you know, in the ways that he transformed music and culture, and I, you know, I listen to his song sometimes, and and his words, and I just tear up. The, you know, and he talks, and he talks about. You listen to him; he talks about. I don't. I wasn't even conscious when I wrote these songs. I felt like that was being channeled through me. Like I don't even know how they were. Anyways, sorry. Yeah. It, it, it's it's no, no. <laughs> I mean, this, and 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 this is where you know gets me going <clears throat> yeah. in terms of the schools. And because and, sometimes when I try to do classes, <clears throat> people say, oh, I don't like poetry. I'm not a writer. I don't. Yeah. And then I'll say, well, what's your favorite music? And, oh, they'll list somebody. I said, well, what do you think of those words? Oh, yeah, I like those words. Well, what do they mean? What do they mean? Well, and is it is that poetry or is that writing? Yeah. Or do you want to write like that? Let's not call it poetry. Do you want to write like that? Or do yeah. you have things to say like that? Mm. Yeah. Um, and so, again, it's it's really about getting your voice and and the yeah. words and and you know as you said with your comedy act you you learn that 
I may want to say this, but trying to really hone it so it's said in a way that it might be funny or you show the contradictions and the irony or whatever it is, and that we can walk away seeing the humanity, our humanity in it. So I'm not just saying, okay, let's all go and cut our wrists. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, thanks, Paul, for those words. Um, anything else you wanted to tell us before we go into our last couple of questions? Last couple of questions. Well, no, I was just going to thank you guys for yeah. spending all this time. And um, no, go for your last couple of questions. All right, cool. Um, so uh, we've talked a lot about um, spoken word performance, um, publishing, juggling. What, <laughs> juggling. <laughs> um, what do you like to do when you're not doing any of those things to kind of bring you back to yourself and just, you know, take it easy and relax. And what do you, what do you like to do for fun? Um, it's interesting. Cause I think long ago when I, when I first was joked with people, when I thought about being an artist, quote artist, um, I realized that it gave me this umbrella that if someone asked me about the clothes I was wearing. Well, I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah. Um, they asked me about why I was living in this studio or what I was doing. You know, well, because I'm an artist. And the reality of that is I really, being creative is something that I like and I, I get off on. And, you know, somebody could say, oh, you came from this drug culture and now, you know, aren't you happy that marijuana's legal? And I says, I'm, I'm not necessarily because... I, I sort of feel like it's it always everything has always been made into I mean farmers who grow coke leaves ate them for hundreds of years and were not coke addicts. Right. Now you take that and synthesize it and formulate it and make it into um, crack, and now you got some problems and cocaine. And so there's a part I'm from some writing, I'm actually answering this if it seems like I'm going around, but there is a part in history where there was a lot of written about what's your great work. And they use that phrase for a certain period of time. And it was interesting because it was implying, do you think you're here for some reason? Am I, you know, am, was I here just to get the house in the country to have the two kids to have the car? I mean, what's the scenario that I'm mapping out that I say I've lived, lived a successful life. Right. Or, or is it, does the word successful come in? Um, oh, well, cause I can feed myself. Oh, I do have clothes. Oh, I have enough money for healthcare. Or, um, without some of those things, you know, you can't think about too much at all because you're right. hurting, you're in pain. You're not going to be creating cause you can't do it. Um, but in that it, it, there is, I, I'm always running scenarios because I was a juggler and doing vaudeville. I'm, and, and, and as an artist, in terms of writing, I'm even if I'm just enjoying having coffee at a coffee shop outside watching people, uh, I'm seeing, oh, look at that couple. And, oh, man, they're going to break up soon. And she is looking in a different direction and they're walking and he's pleading. He's, you know, they just she just told him I'm out of here and he's giving the rap that, you know, don't and and. You can see it in body language, you know, things that you go, oh, wow, okay, that's a sad one, or this is happening, or, oh, there's the mother talking, and the, you can tell by the girl that she's, yeah, mom, yeah, I'm okay, and, you know, no, they've lost, and so 
people and life and my eternal hope that we are given this amazing place to live. And there's so many amazing places we all haven't seen. And what a different thing it would be is if we were really here trying to preserve it. And uh, I mean, help it. Uh, you can't preserve anything. It's always changing. But to be living with uh, a minimal footprint so it's doing what it's doing and we're here with it. We're not controlling it. We're, we're, we're dancing with it um, is what I hope for. So I'm always looking for that. And I'm always trying to, I'm thinking about that. So yeah. and I'm trying to come up with way it entertains me to come up with the storylines of, I'm going to call customer service, or you might've seen the, the ping, the thing about pushing the button at the parking garage. Yeah. You know, I'm just, when I get to a, you know, so there I was at a parking garage, a couple of those things started to happen. I just thought, Oh, here it is. This is the thing about, yep, you're in a situation where you're told to push this button and something's supposed to happen and it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. what? You know, push the button again. Well, no, it's not happening. You know? yeah. um, so that, I mean, it may sound weird. I mean, I love swimming. I was just swimming twice today. I'm honored that I live where I live because there's some ponds and some lakes and I don't drive in traffic for three hours to try to get to the lake. And um, Do you like, outdoor, do, you prefer, do you prefer outdoor swimming? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mostly during the summers of of being in these, you know, yeah, this pond or you know Lake Mattawa or the Green River or you know places that are that are really nice. The towns have spent time trying to preserve. I mean, trying to have been still be able to swim. I mean, I grew up in Buffalo where I by high school I couldn't swim in Lake Erie. It was burning, and you were getting rashes from the water. Oh and, God. Um, you know, things that people don't really realize what the steel plants are doing. We used to joke about, let's go play Jesus because we can walk across the water. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's it, and, and, you know, when you live in a city like that, that had so much environmental garbage and destruction with Love Canal and everything else, you just realize, no, there was choices made. They're real, yeah. you know, and so I, yeah. I have, a, so in that way, what, what gives me this is I have, I'm not on a religious mission, but I, I care about future generations yeah. and I'm glad for the people who I am standing on their bones now who tried to do things to make life here as amazing as it really is. Yeah. And I think, um, and I hope it's a long time from now, you'll, you'll be leaving some solid bones for people to stand on. <laughs> you know, I think it, it's, it's obvious you're, you're, you're doing that work and in, in trying to help. I did a piece recently about, okay, I know I'm an old, cause I had a form <laughs> I, saw, I was trying to fill yeah, out. I, saw that. I had a form that I was trying to fill out. There was yeah. no box for old white guy. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought I get it. Old white guys should step aside, but stop throwing dirt on me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm not done yet. You know, I don't want, you know, you don't have yeah. to throw dirt on me now, you know? Yeah. Um, All right. Um, I'll move us to our last question. Um, this better be a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. It, uh, what? And I think this. You might have an easy answer for this one. Uh, what have you experienced that you can't explain? Um, interesting. The acknowledgement that there's other paranormal. There's had, other. There's other. There's go ahead, other. Please go ahead. Yes. Yeah, there's realities that are 
that aren't explained by people or not accepted by them uh, that my family had or uh, when you are open to it, other people talk to you about theirs. Yeah. And so, and there's just way too many stories of, and not to get into what does it mean, but it's more of just acknowledging that that was, that happened. Yeah. Was and was it was it just a coincidence that this and or or no you know no that's was something else I mean yeah. real quick story was someone that I met who heard their father calling them is dead it got louder and louder and louder and their friends who knew that they had these experiences said why don't you go to the grave she got there and her brother was digging up the grave. Because oh. he was upset that the father was buried in Belgium and wanted him to be buried in Germany. And so she called the police and they talked and they stopped him and because he wanted to be buried in Belgium. Wow. And so you go, did she make that up or why did that happen? And how do you explain that? And But as I said, <clears throat> we can have a whole podcast of all this stories like that that were in my life where people I knew or something happened that I have to say I'm not telling you to believe or not believe I'm just telling you this is what happened and it's not in the book yeah I'm with you on that I think there the more I the more I I always tell stomping Jen I, I feel like I sound crazy when I say this the more I research and study um, the UFO phenomenon, for example, which are now called UAP. They have a new, a new, <laughs> no, a new, a new name, but um, it has all sorts of connections to the paranormal. And um, it's a fascinating, fascinating subject. And I'm becoming more and more convinced the older I get that there's a lot of validity to it. So well, it's, it's, it's even thinking about <clears throat> the native American cultures and other cultures who yeah. talked about talking to the tree spirits yeah, or talking to this or that and how that was all put down. And in some ways people have said, when you think of shamans or people who medicine, who use plants, if you read any of the old history of they'll say their answers many times were the plants told them. Yeah. And people will blow that off. Like, what are you talking about? That's not, and so it's, it's, it's really about having an awareness. Do you, can you have an awareness about yourself and can you have an, stop long enough to have an awareness about, um, you know, your, I mean, I don't know if we have quick time. We have these big, large bumblebees that yeah. they're carpenter bumblebees that go into wood and they're amazing. I call them sometimes military wet dreams because <laughs> the, the ability for them to like, zoom up up and down backwards turn around do yeah. this like what a machinery of you can actually fly and do that yeah and what i realized was people were freaked out on our porch and we started just sitting there and they would come up get pretty close look at us and realize oh okay it's you they had territory that they were defending when we're and we started watching them do these battles and and now they don't bother us at all and people come by and they go, these things are really buzzing around. It's like, yeah, they're just doing their thing. I don't need to be swatting them and I don't need to be doing anything. They're not hurting me. They're not. Once they see I'm on the porch, they just go and do what they're doing. I'm a distraction. If they keep watching me, they got to stop what's happening in their own tribe. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and, and so it's, 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 it's just a short thing of 
how much time do and maybe artists get into this more because you have to <clears throat> take time to look around you to pick something up to then express it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love those bees. And unfortunately I have a dog that is obsessed with eating bees. So we don't see too many of them around anymore. Hey, well, that's, you know, it's, it's an interesting <laughs> I mean, there's that dynamic also. Yeah. There's that world, you know, it's not, it's not yeah. all the like, Oh, Disney, isn't that cute? No, that animal just ate the other one. Okay, yeah. Oh my well. God. She like <laughs> ate the head off a baby rabbit the other day and oh, her yeah. son watched it and yeah. like came in and told us all about it in oh, horrific well, detail. And we're like, yeah. okay, that's enough. All right. A little uh, reality here. Okay. Can we- yeah. On, on that dark note, Stomping Jen. Um, yes. Let's. Um, <laughs> let's <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you both for, uh, uh, you know, creating this platform. Yeah. And, and, and many people in. Yeah, and thank you for joining us, Paul. Um, I I really enjoyed talking with you, and I have to say, I I warned you before we started recording. I was trying to keep these to an hour. We've gone over, we've gone over, well, over two hours now. So, um, I think that's a. <laughs> you, only, you only listen to a minute. Try to pick out the best <laughs> minute. No, like no. Minute. Um, I I mean, I think I think that's a testament to the message, uh, the person, um all of that stuff. So thank you. Um, really, um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed talking with you and, and, and all of the, the things we, we chatted about. So, um, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. Same here. That was great. To Thanks, our, li- to our listeners, I just, a couple of quick things. If, if you're hearing us, uh, for the first time, um, you know, please subscribe to our podcast, uh, download our episodes, leave us uh, a review, <clears throat> leave us a review, um, on Apple. Donate, Pod- donate, donate. <laughs> yeah, leave us a leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Paul mentioned it, so I'll just say um, we do have a website. We do have a website with a donate button. It's softservepodcast.com. Okay, go check that out. There's a lots of stuff on there. There's information about Jen. There's information about me, and um, we have links to episodes we think you'll find interesting. So um, go check it out. Um, and uh, finally, what else? Anything else? I think we're, that's it. That's it. That's a wrap. All right, uh, Paul, you want to say goodbye in whatever special way you like to do that? Feel free. Okay, I'll do it with this short story that's about 40 pages. No. Uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, folks, listen in. To, they've got a lot of great stuff. I checked it out myself. Thanks, Paul. Stomping Jen. Bye now. All right, folks, you heard Stomping Jen. And uh, without further ado, bye now. This world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, All peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.